Hello, what's the tea, fam? It's been a minute, a very long minute. <laughs> um, we've got a new episode for you today that was recorded back in April. That's how long it's been. Um, we do have a little announcement before we get into this episode that I wanted to share with you. And I guess there's no better way to say it than to just say it. Um, but due to life circumstances for both Jesse Rose and I and new endeavors that we are both embarking on, we have decided to postpone releasing this episode um, and also to put a pause on the podcast. Um, with that being said, we're not sure if we will actually be returning to the podcast in the same way that we have been doing it. Um, but we really wanted to get this episode out today because it is an amazing episode. You'll just hear how happy we are to have our guest um, sharing all of his wisdom with us throughout the episode. Um, the end is really kind of Bittersweet, as you'll hear, um, Jesse just shares how grateful she is to have had this um, journey with me and me with her as well. And at the time, we didn't even know that we were going to be ending the podcast. And it's just kind of ironic and bittersweet and just kind of a great way to round things out. Um, with all of this being said, we are planning to, with no dates really, um, just kind of when it fits with both of our lives and scheduling and everything. Um, we're planning to share one or two more episodes with just the two of us to kind of like give a an extended goodbye and share like our last final like tips and um, thoughts and ideas and um, wisdom and knowledge with plants and all of that um, before we officially close out what's the tea for this time um, we do hope that you'll still continue to use these episodes as resources as we've had so many incredible guests with so much incredible information um, and stories to share and I was just listening back to one the other day and I was like wow this is like what I needed at this time even though we recorded it like a year ago and um, it's just funny how things like circle around and I think that it just kind of follows the uh, cyclical patterns of life. Everything is just continually like flowing in this never-ending circle, the circle of life. Um, before I get into a little bit more about this episode, I just wanted to share a bit about some of the new endeavors that we are embarking on. Um, as of right now, I don't know exactly what Jessie Rose is working on. Um, I know she's got some personal things with like a move coming up and everything. Um, but also she's doing some trainings and courses and programs so she can continue to expand her personal business. And with that being said, I will link her um, personal business in the show notes so you guys can keep up with what she is doing. Um, for myself, I have continued to expand my herb shop, the herbal products that I offer to help support mental health and moving into a way of living through your heart, so heart-centered living um, through slow, intentional, and ritualistic practices and just way of being in general. Um, so make sure you check out the herb shop to see what um, herbal products I have to offer you guys. There is one that I actually talk about um, in this episode, the tea that I'm drinking. 
It is a tee that at the time I was kind of just putting the finishing touches on to make sure that it was what I wanted to offer. And it has now been in the herb shop for quite some time. And it has become um, kind of a fan favorite of the teas. Um, and it's actually on sale right now. It's the Serene Sleep Tea. Um, it's on sale online. So if you wanted that, I will definitely link that in the show notes as well. And then the other big business endeavor that I have going on is uh, Barefoot Alchemist. I'm sorry, <laughs> Barefoot Alchemist Elixir Bar. This is a passion project um, that I have been co-creating with um, Nyla Brooks, who was our last guest in episode, I believe it's episode 11. Um, Together we have created the Elixir Bar and we offer intentionally curated non-alcoholic beverages to help support and uplift your mood in different environments. Um, I will link that in the show notes as well if you're interested in checking that out. If you're in the uh, Pacific Northwest, we do different pop-ups, events, markets, and we've got some other things up our sleeve that we are planning to put into the works in the next, hopefully, year. Um, so please keep up with that. And now, with all of that being said, this long introduction, I want to formally introduce our guest on this episode. Today we have Nick from Soul Lift Cacao. Um, I'm really excited for him to be our last guest for the time being because he has so much to share. And as I said, we're just like lit up throughout this whole episode. Um, just talking about cacao, which goes to say a lot about cacao itself too, but we'll get into that more in the episode. So a little bit about Nick. Um, he is a mindful entrepreneur who has been on a path of facilitation, leadership, and self-development for a decade. In 2015, Guatemalan ceremonial cacao changed his life by helping him overcome chronic fatigue syndrome. In the years since, Nick has traveled throughout Central America connecting with cacao farmers, collectives, and experts. He found Solift Cacao with the mission to create a positive impact in the world by helping Mayan collectives share their cacao in the U.S. and beyond. Nick created the Solift Cacao method to provide an ethical and responsible way to share ceremonial cacao in modern settings and to create safe, trauma-informed containers for transformational journeys. He started bringing home and sharing cacao from Guatemala by suitcase before opening his cacao cafe, which is located in Portland, Oregon. Nick offers tours of cacao farms in Guatemala that he works closely with. And the next one is actually coming up in March. So that's in two months. And you can find the link for that with more info in the show notes if you're interested in joining. In this episode, Nick discusses his journey with chronic fatigue that led him to cacao, the differences between chocolate, cocoa, cacao, and ceremonial grade cacaos, uh, traditional practices and uses of cacao, the the importance of acknowledgement and giving credit when working with ceremonial cacao outside of its original context. He discusses the supply chain, fair trade, and growing practices and preparations, as well as active compounds found in cacao and and what support they can offer to us. Um, and the importance of acknowledgement and giving credit when working with ceremonial cacao outside its original context, as well as a lot more information. Um, In this episode, we are working with, outside of cacao, some of the herbs that we talk about and work with in our teas are rose, cinnamon, star, anise, lavender, cordyceps, chamomile, licorice root, wood betony, and oat tops, as well as, of course, cacao. And we also want to take a moment 
to honor and give reverence to the traditional cultures that have shared their wisdom and knowledge about the healing benefits of cacao. And we will talk a lot more about that last component throughout the episode. Um, In the resources today, in the show notes, you'll find a lot of different information about cacao. And I just wanted to briefly touch on this, as we'll also touch on in the episode. But we do have um, a link to a blog post that Nick created about how to avoid cultural appropriation when sharing cacao and why fair trade cacao isn't actually enough. I just really wanted to emphasize those two blog posts and what Nick has to share there because that is a huge topic in this episode as well. So with all of that being said, let's dive into the episode and hear what Nick has to share with us. So if you're looking for me, stop searching now. Can't you see I don't want to be found? Not in this world, but I'll return back to the earth to cleanse my everyone and welcome to what's the tea podcast today we have a guest joining us but before we go into this episode we're just gonna start with a little bit of meditation to kind of slow down and ground into this moment so take a moment to pause whatever you're doing find a comfortable seated position or maybe you want to lay down and then just join me as we come into our breath and gently close your eyes and just allowing your breath to flow naturally. And we're going to take a deep breath, inhaling into the stomach and holding there for a count of three, two, one, and then exhale out through the mouth. Your next inhale, you can roll the shoulders up to the ears and then down and back, really opening up your chest, relaxing a little bit more into your sit bones. And once again, returning back to your breath. Taking a moment here to just envision a really calm, peaceful scene, whatever that might be to you. Maybe it's a beach a forest, your bedroom, whatever it is. Taking a moment to think of those feelings that come up when you're in that peaceful place. Taking note of where you feel this in your body. Again, returning to the breaths. We'll take another deep breath into the belly. Exhale out through the mouth. Once again, inhaling deep into the belly. Exhale out through the mouth. And then one more time, inhaling deep. 
Exhale, letting the breath out. Then bowing your chin towards your chest. And gently blink your eyes opened. And join us with your cup of tea. Thank you. I, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say thank you for that little grounding moment. I needed it. So. I feel like I always need it as we're getting into an episode because I'm in all the like the technical logical sides of things and I'm like okay now step back and just be in this moment um yeah as I said we have a guest Nick joining us today Nick would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself sure thank you for having me it's great to be here and talk with you both I'm Nick Meter I am the founder of Soulift Cacao so uh, I currently am based in Portland, Oregon. I'm actually from Detroit, Michigan originally. <clears throat> and that's where I started the brand six years ago as what's called a cottage foods business where <laughs> I was basically bringing cacao back from Guatemala at first just in suitcases and <clears throat> things evolved from there from, from just sharing it with with friends and leading cacao circles, you know, cacao meditations, uh, to eventually uh, also being kind of nomadic. I moved to California and, and founded the business as an actual registered food company in 2018. Uh, and eventually found my way to Portland, Oregon, <laughs> where I opened a cacao cafe last summer. So I'm actually able to serve um, you know, cups of ceremonial cacao and, and drinking chocolate to people in person. Uh, cacao has played a huge role in my life to helping me overcome some uh, chronic fatigue that was going on for years until until I discovered cacao in 2015. So that's a bit about me and what I do. And do you want to share with us what you have in your cup today? Yeah, I have a cacao nib tea. So it's not really a traditional <laughs> preparation as far as I know. Uh, this is, if you can imagine, most people know cacao nibs. So those are the crushed up pieces of roasted seeds, uh, well, also known as cacao beans, but they're actually the seeds, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. But these are steeped cacao nibs. Uh, so it's got a little bit of the flavor, but not as much of the stimulation since it's a little bit later in the afternoon. <laughs> Uh, and I also steeped some some cinnamon bark and anise star star anise and with some raw honey. So that's what I've got. That sounds so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've ever made like a tea with cacao nibs. Now that I think about it, which is kind of crazy for me because I I love my cacao and I love my tea. So I'm gonna yeah, have to I try that one. <laughs> made a tea from the husk of the seeds, but it's a little bit harder to get cacao husk these mm -hmm. days. So nibs are pretty available. Wow. Yeah, I have like a huge jar downstairs that I, I go through them pretty fast. It's it's great. <laughs> um, Jesse, do you wanna share what's in your tea? Yes, sure. So I think I was just feeling into my heart today <laughs> and I just uh, was feeling called to um, just be gifted by the medicine of cacao. So I have some cacao in here as well. 
Um, and then I made a tea infusion of rose, one of our favorites we talk about rose <laughs> every <laughs> single episode on the podcast and as it should be um she, such a just divine beautiful spirit um and she just deserves to be in every episode and deserves her name to be said and all of those lovely things <laughs> just like every other plant ally but <laughs> we just really love rose anyway um I have some lavender in here as well, um, and I added a little cinnamon bark too, so we have the, the, that thread, which is nice. And then last second, I added some cordyceps. I wanted something a little, I just, I wanted the, the mushrooms and that kind of, that grounded um, kind of energy. So that is what I'm nourishing my body with currently. And it is feeling really good. I, I felt like I've been feeling, honestly, my heart space has been, uh, quite heavy lately. Um, and when I look back, I feel like, you know, a lot of this had to, has come about throughout like the pandemic. And I feel like I've been really, um, you know, feeling kind of certain energies and, and things and, um, I'm just really feeling into like how much I need to come back into my heart um, and just like take that time to genuinely, you know, connect with my heart and center and breathe into that space and speak to it, you know, and, and just have those deeper conversations and just be with it. So um, cacao is um, one of those allies, you know, that really helps me do that. So um, I think that's, you know, and I think that's really why I felt called and pulled in that direction. So, and, uh, what form is your cacao in? It's, um, a block. I think that's the proper way to say that. Nick. Okay. Is that the <laughs> block? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, ceremonial cacao, um, from cacao source. Cacao, cacao source is actually a partner of mine, but, um, the cacao that I, uh, get from them is just prepared a little bit differently than most of the rest of their cacao. It's just the roasting. Um, for, for me, they have a group uh, toasted over wood fire, the traditional way. Mm, very nice. I love that. That's awesome that we have that connection then. <laughs> oh, well, that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely get more into, obviously, the cacao. That's what this episode is going to be like all about. Um, yeah, was that all you had today, Jesse? Yeah, that's all that's going on over here in this cup. <laughs> I feel like we're usually we have so much more and I don't I have I think I have about the same today, but um usually I have a lot more, but um, so yeah. What are your allies today? Um I am working on a new blend that I will have in my herb shop. So I've been like trying different versions of like different amounts of the herbs in it that I want to have in it to see like you know what measurements work best um this one is called going to be called serene sleep but it's only like four o'clock here and I don't need to sleep right now but I definitely need the serene aspect of it because <laughs> I've been running around like crazy for like I think since February and it's now April. Um, <laughs> so end of April too, like it's going to be May in a few days. Um, 
So I really need to like start slowing down. We're, we're going to be coming out of Aries season. So I think it's a good time for me to like slow down too. Like, um, but with that all being said, I have um, lavender, chamomile, licorice root, wood betony, and oat tops. And I was really thinking, Nick, too, this kind of ties in a little bit to what you were saying with um, dealing with chronic fatigue, because if I continue on this path that I'm going of like, go, go, go since February, then, you know, that's what leads to chronic fatigue, like always being in that, that, um, that sympathetic mode, just continuously going. Um, so I thought that was interesting when I decided this is the tea I was going to have today. And I knew we were going to be talking about that a little bit. I was like, oh, that kind of ties right into that and the slowing down, which is something that we always come back to in pretty much all of our episodes. So, yeah. Um, so I wanted to just dive right into the cacao because we all love cacao here obviously um i mean obviously nick does anybody who knows me knows i do and i know jesse does so <laughs> um but i was wondering nick if you can start off by like sharing with our listeners who may not know what is the difference between chocolate cocoa and cacao sure yeah i think of it like a spectrum really because there are so many different shades of ethics and quality and just care that goes into the different steps. So uh, most people know hot chocolate mix, which would actually be like a more processed cocoa. Um, and <laughs> cocoa is more of the French word, cacao is more of like the Spanish word, but really they both refer to the original tree, the Theobroma cacao tree, uh, which grows pods on it. And uh, the seeds in those pods are what we call cacao beans. They're not actually beans, they're actually seeds, but uh, yeah, most people don't know what comes before the wrapper of the chocolate bar or the hot chocolate cup that they get. And uh, it's it's really complicated. The, the, the more I work with cacao, the more I, the more questions I get, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, I'm always learning new things or there are myths that come through the community or just, you know, people who are going to cacao ceremonies and things like that. Uh, I'm on this long-term mission of of trying to clarify when something is more myth or belief and when something, like if there is research to back something up. Uh, but as for the production and um, yeah, what, what differentiates, uh, if something's called cocoa or even like a commercial chocolate bar, it's been processed so heavily uh, that there's very little cacao left in the final product. The, the seeds are heated to really high temperatures. They're processed in different ways. Uh, uh, like for example, with alkali to make uh, what's known as cocoa powder, which also has most of the original fat or cacao butter removed. So there's also, that means very little nutritional value, value left in that final product. Um, not to mention there are, are huge problems with the supply chain as well, which we can talk more about later. But uh, even then, like a little bit further on the spectrum into like fair trade cacao, or if people get organic cacao nibs from a grocery store, things like that, it's usually not possible to know where they come from. I mean, sometimes it'll say uh, a country, at least on the package, but there's very rarely any story about the people that grew it or prepared it or uh, the different treatments that it may have gone through. So the raw cacao powder 
is a thing in the market. But even if that says raw, it, the seeds have probably actually been heated. It's just that when it's pressed to remove the cacao butter, that part is done cold. And they use that term raw because it's sort of like nothing else is added to it. Mm-hmm. But that, that's something, you know, we could talk more about, too, is that the word raw is actually very vague in in the food world, let alone in the world of cacao. Mm-hmm. Um, so when things start to get into, and this is fuzzy in the next step too, because then people start using the term ceremonial cacao in some cases for products that I I think it's misapplied, where it's still, there's more processing or a little bit too much is done in a factory or there aren't enough uh, indigenous people involved in the preparation, different mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, the things that are most important are that it is grown on essentially a, a farm, a not, non-GMO farm where organic type practices are being used, even if it's not certified organic, which is hard for a small family farm and, you know, in rural tropical places to cover those costs and go through that process. But they're not using chemical pesticides or fertilizers. Uh, ideally, it's a biodiverse farm, which means it's not just rows of trees. Uh, which is still how most cacao is grown in the world in like a monoculture, you know, uh, or not still. It's like that's how things have become. But traditionally, it would just be a, a food forest mm-hmm. with all different kinds of trees mm-hmm. growing. So, yeah, that those are the kind of farms, the biodiverse farms are the um, the ones that I'm essentially getting cacao sourced from. And then the uh, most of the steps from that point are done by hand on the human scale. The uh, the pulling the seeds out of the pods, the drying them in the sun, toasting them over wood fire, peeling them by hand. And the grind into a, a smoother paste is done mechanically with the groups that I work with right now. Uh, but then pouring them into blocks is done again by hand, packaging them. It's just all like, first of all, that um, brings more of those traditional methods into the process. It also creates more work for people. So, so in this model, I actually did the math, and it's an average of eleven times the the quote unquote fair trade rate is staying in the source country this way. Com- wow. You know, uh, when when more of the pro uh, um, more of the production is done in Guatemala, that's where all the cacao that I source is from right mm-hmm. now. So yeah, yeah, it's there's so much to it. It's like you know, it's such a big question, actually, that I'm sure we'll peel apart as we go forward. Yeah, and it's like we talked about um, this on our last episode about where it comes from, you know, with any of these plants or any of these foods that we're consuming. Like, there's a lot of times where, like, we don't know where where does your chocolate bar come from. And, like, most people okay. don't know that chocolate technically grows on a tree like (laughs) that's the the root of it and um i think it's really important that you're sharing this where it comes Mm -hmm. from and that you're putting so much intention into like not just knowing okay it comes from guatemala um but like you have these relationships with these farms with these different communities and yeah i think that's so beautiful and i really really respect that and really appreciate that you're doing this thank you yeah it's an honor yeah it really is working with cacao is an honor in general but working Mm -hmm. on that level wow that's you know something else Um, yeah it made such a 
impact in my life that it's it's always been a calling to like even when things are difficult which it is frequently <laughs> difficult yeah. doing the work but uh but I just you know yeah I just feel called to keep doing it yeah and I mean we talked again on another episode there's always these like things that thread right into each other but we talked about redefining you use the word difficult but we were talking about hard but redefining that mm-hmm. word of hard and I think Jesse you said it's not that it's hard it just takes more energy um, but also when you're putting more energy into it, the, it's more of a reward at the end, I think. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that intention is, is very beautiful. Um, yeah. I was wondering if you can share with us a little bit more about how the cacao or how cacao has really helped you with, you were saying, like moving through that chronic fatigue and any other ways that it supported yeah. you. Yeah, the uh, chronic fatigue started 2011, and for a few years, I was just um, getting all kinds of medical tests. I was going to naturopaths um, and other alternative medicine, you know, type practitioners, even working with shamans, and just basically trying anything that I that I could find. And uh, obviously, being in it too without having a concrete explanation, I was just really afraid too, because I was hearing stories of people who had, um, you know, they, they had different diagnoses, whether it was chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia or chronic Lyme's or different things like that. Uh, the, the experience of it is all pretty similar from what I can tell. And especially in my case, there just, there just was not, there was, it's not like I had a disease. It was just a, uh, a syndrome, you know, a collection of those issues, the exhaustion, a lot of brain fog, like I, at one point I couldn't even read very much and, 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 or sometimes I didn't feel comfortable driving cause I was so fuzzy. It was, it was, it was, yeah, just really intense for a while, but it would kind of go in waves and, you know, I would think it was gone and then it would come back, uh, in retrospect based on, actually I went to the Mayo clinic. If I don't know if you've, uh, if you're familiar with that, but they, yeah. uh, the one in Minnesota I went to in 20, uh, 14 I think <clears throat> and even though they are kind of like a, a stronghold of western medicine they actually had a very holistic approach to or, or holistic uh, suggestions about how self-management and changing a lot of different things in my life from diet to stress management to even like time management assertive communication <laughs> uh you know, getting some of that kind of meditation or yoga, gentle yoga. So actually, yeah, very, very gentle yoga, like slow, mostly on the ground, um, did become very important to relieve some of the muscle tension I was experiencing and uh, just calming down. But it wasn't until mid-2015 that I was at a small festival that um, someone was hosting a cacao ceremony. And I had started to hear things about it, I think by like late 2014, but at first I, it just sounded silly. I I had done, you know, different spiritual practices up to that point, but I could not imagine what the uh, point of, uh, yeah, a cacao ceremony would be. It just didn't make sense. And I thought, as a lot of people probably do, I thought maybe they were just like contriving something to, to create a new experience for people mm-hmm. i'm taking a tea break 
um, with the, well, there's so many different ways we can go with this. Yeah, I, could, I could tell more about that first Yeah, go ahead. experience with the cacao. Cause it was really like a light bulb went off for me and I didn't totally understand in the moment, the effect that it was going to have in my life. But, uh, that was June, 2015 and immediately I just, I felt a clarity that, you know, given everything I had that I was going through with the chronic fatigue, uh, suddenly I had this new sense of clarity and energy without like a peak and a crash, just sort of a gentle, sustained energy combined with, you know, whatever kind of meditative and uh, um, connection practices that we did in the ceremony. I just went on to uh, incorporate cacao into my life from that time forward. I, at first I could only, I mean, that, that first ceremony was with real Guatemalan fire roasted <laughs> ceremonial cacao, but I didn't have access to any more of that at that time. So I remember I just got some cacao powder from, from the store or something, and it didn't feel quite the same. It's not as deep, you know, or rich, but, but there was still something there that uh, when I would have bad days where I just felt, you know, discouraged or because uh, at that time I was also, um, it seems crazy to think about now, but I was training to walk the Camino de Santiago pilgrimage mm -hmm. in Spain, which I had decided to do before the cacao ceremony, a few months before that, um, the movie Wild with Reese Witherspoon, which is based on the book of the same name about a woman who goes through a huge transformational journey by walking the Pacific Crest Trail <clears throat> for thousands of miles. And I knew I couldn't do something like that with the health, you know, situation that I was in. But I have, I had a friend who had walked the Camino and she told me about basically every night you stay in a, in a hostel just for the pilgrims. And it just didn't sound like it, there would be quite as much uh, through the mountains or having to carry a huge pack. But it was another one of those things where I just felt that that I had to do it, like like that sense of calling, and and I had some cacao powder with me during the training and the pilgrimage itself, which ended up being like forty days of uh, just you know walking every day. Um, but that experience, and it's like I still dealt with some of the chronic fatigue for about a year and a half from that point, but each time I would have a new experience like that, it would rewrite my beliefs of what I thought was possible for me, uh, given everything I was going through. Because even early 2015, I just thought I was going to be really sick forever. And, and so that, I think, was my first, uh, you know, thing that I integrated from experiencing a cacao ceremony or, or working with ceremonial cacao, even on a personal level is the ability to uh, change our the way we see ourselves and what's possible in our lives. Mm, that's so beautiful and like so inspirational. I like so many people I'm going to share this with. <laughs> I think that you did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was really profound. Yeah. I love how you said that you like brought the cacao powder with you. Um, before I ever knew that like ceremonial cacao existed, my yeah. my journey with cacao started when I was doing um, my culinary nutrition program. 
Mm-hmm. And we had to choose a illness to work with throughout the program. And then at the end, we had to um, do a, teach a workshop with some healing foods for that, like mm-hmm. teaching how to prepare them and what they can help with um, for that condition. And I chose depression. And um, through my research, I found cacao. And at first, like I, you know, it was kind of like, oh, like cocoa, chocolate, like, but then I like found raw cacao powder and I started working with that with like elixirs and different things like that and um, when I was backpacking I backpacked for like on and off for a few years around the world and I would always carry cacao powder with me and everyone would like make fun of me because I just like pull out my cacao powder I was one point I was like on this island that had like no electricity no roads like nothing so I couldn't I didn't really have access to anything so I just like poured my cacao powder into my water and like shook up the bottle and just drinking my <laughs> cacao mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's something that yeah once you once you kind of have it you like don't want to go without it because you know how powerful it can be sure and even the superfood side of it the you know even even store-bought cacao powder it has theobromine which mm-hmm. is that energizing compound that's you know there is caffeine in it too. I discovered uh, last uh, fall when I had some of my cacao tested. But uh, yeah, a lot of people in the ceremonial cacao community say there's like little to no caffeine in cacao. It turns out that's not true. There's oh, that's good caffeine. to know. Yeah, but for some reason it doesn't feel the same to me. Like I can't really drink coffee or even black tea. I, I crash mm-hmm. too much and I with you know I get the withdrawal thing the next day. But um, but yeah, what I was saying though about um, cacao having that theobromine that's energizing and it, and again even the store-bought kind would still have some of the, the so-called happy neurotransmitters like um uh serot- i think it's serotonin and anandamide and a couple of others that have really long names that i always forget <laughs> yeah that's what i was gonna say the uh, anandamide because yeah. um yeah for those who don't know that was like one of the first things i learned about it. it's n- nicknamed the bliss chemical so I was like, that sounds yeah. like it can help with depression. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's chemically related to THC, actually. Um, the main active compound in 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 cannabis. But uh, anandamide is not, well, nothing in cacao really is that mind-altering. Or like, I've heard one person in the cacao community use the term psychoactive, which I don't mm-hmm. really think is appropriate because... To me, we just we stay in our ordinary consciousness with yeah. cacao. It's not a drug or, um, yeah, it's not a psychedelic or anything like that. Yeah, and I think with the caffeine, like you were saying, you experience it different because I I do in the same way. Like I would have never mm-hmm. guessed that there was caffeine in cacao, um, mm-hmm. and I cannot drink coffee either. I can do teas, but coffee is like a huge no for me. Um, but I think it's because it's it's different energetically where like cacao like really brings you into your heart. So it's more of like um, like a calming energy that it gives you. Um, I guess it's energizing, but not in the sense that it's like overstimulating. It's more of like a grounding energy, I feel like. Yeah. 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 I've seen cacao even in some sleep supplements, which wouldn't work for me personally. But um... <laughs> I could see that. Um, um you know, from like a science standpoint too, like, uh, because it, it allows the blood vessels to relax while stimulating the blood flow. So it's like promoting kind of like both that almost feeling of awake, Mm -hmm. but also the feeling of relaxation. So it's kind of, and you know, um, it's like the, the balance I think. And 
it's really lovely that we get to like we can feel the effects of that too you know mm-hmm. very deeply um, yeah and it goes like back to like the heart like mm. you know, that kind of energy um but soothing yeah. soothing the nervous system relaxing the muscles and the joints and um especially you know it's really so so high in magnesium so it's oh yes yes and see why it was like really supportive for you nick especially you know with what you were moving through yeah and um while we're on the topic of like you know talking about everything that that gives cacao its power like the science behind it nick you mentioned before how like when you're you're consuming like the chocolate or the um cacao powder like a chocolate bar the, the sorry the cocoa powder it's like so far processed to the point where it doesn't really have any of that fat left and like some people might think well isn't that a good thing that it doesn't have the fat but we also need healthy fats and cacao I mean like talking about the aspect that I stepped into cacao with with the depression um it's has all that fat and your brain needs those healthy fats like your brain is made up of 60 percent fat so if you're not giving it those healthy fats then it's not gonna work in the way it needs to so I'm wondering Nick with like the brain fog and stuff if that like you know could help could have been one of the aspects of cacao that healthy fat that really helped with the brain fog that you were experiencing yeah I uh, on that subject of the fat I haven't seen research about this specifically but I do hear people in the cacao community say that it might make some things in the cacao more bioavailable to us whether it's Mm. the theobromine or the neurotransmitters so i'm still it's it's like um i have a science background so i like to see the the research you know but i it is possible and it definitely feels different to me when when the cacao still has all that original uh, fat in it yeah aside from the fat i think the theobromine is known as a, a cardiovascular stimulant so it increases our blood flow and then i've always thought then it's like the brain is getting more oxygen because mm. of that too that yeah. makes sense yeah is oxidating the brain yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. you know i you guys are talking the science side of it and i started with the science side of things with my um nutrition certification but i really focus on the like energetics now and we can see the reflection in the science and the energetics. So you're talking that it helps with the cardiovascular system and um, is also like energetically very opening for the heart. So we just see that that parallel there between the science and the energetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I think that you know I, I come from a science background too. So mm-hmm. naturally, um, I think you know my my brain really wants to move in that direction um, but my heart wants to move in another so it's really nice when i feel like the two can merge i mean they're always they can always merge um but and i think they always are but like when there is that science um and people have like put money into the studies and the research to kind of like just kind of validate um that you know piece of us and um I don't know, but I, I think so many people can relate to that. And, you know, that's how I feel like many people get, uh, become open to, um, you know, teas and, and herbs and, and yeah. trees and, and things like that. You know, it's kind of, um, I feel it's, you know, people can access 
and understand that in the mind. And sometimes, you know, um, maybe we have to, to go there to then be able to drop down into the heart and, and, um, be a little bit more accepting of it. I'm not sure, but, um, (laughs) I'm, uh, um, I, I think, you know, a lot of people are pulled from the science and hopefully, you know, I'm cacao, (laughs) cacao will get you in your heart. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, And I think it's like something I've been thinking about a lot lately is the, the things that we can explain like with our human language like we have the words to explain them and then there's the things that we feel that we can't exactly explain um and it's like the mind versus the heart and i think that a lot of times when if someone has an experience like using herbs or using cacao like it's just kind of really hard to understand because we're so so used to being in the mind, but the herbs really help you to come into the heart and then really feel it instead of like, it's just a different way of experiencing, but it's not something. And I think it's something that is so unique to each individual too, where it's like, I can like tell you how like Rose, again, I always go back to Rose, (laughs) but how Rose has like opened up my heart in a very energetic way where it's allowed me to, to give more love and receive more love, but also to like set those like firm boundaries and like not get walked all over or anything like that. I can explain that, but like someone's like, okay, but like how, and they want to see the science, but it's something that you have to like really experience yourself to understand. But also on the other end, science is kind of catching up to those feelings and you know we've got some studies now on like the like frequency of like plants and how like the um the elect I think it's the electromagnetic frequency of the heart resonates at the same frequency as like plants do um and like science is actually starting to be able to measure those things so I think that's really really cool yeah and as you were speaking I was just like reminded about like how cacao is just so deeply connected to the brain and the mind and it has such an affinity for that space in the body but also in the heart and I feel like it's just it's such a beautiful medicine to kind of like clear and cleanse that channel that connection and open it and balance it and like harmonize it um and yeah I I just I just picked that up from kind of what you were saying somehow (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like with those feelings like those are things that are just like natural to us as like human beings as like living beings on this earth and with that I kind of want to thread it into like the traditional uses of cacao if Nick you want to like share a little bit about that yeah yeah uh and even going uh bridging from the superfood or you know nutritional side of it the other side of it to me is the plant medicine side and even that's i think i don't know it might be kind of a modern term or at least it's not really uh a term that i've heard indigenous cacao um workers or mayan guides use they they would they, they do refer to it as a medicine medicina but um a lot about the historical uses is still kind of shrouded in mystery i'll say that over the past six years of traveling through central america and talking with cacao farmers and collective uh you know collective coordinators and um mayan guides it just seems like there's there's a lot unknown right now or unknowable even because first of all the 
you know, colonial, the, the colonial invasions that happened 500 years ago disrupted things. But really, even over the last 100 years, even more damage has been caused because um, uh, foreign governments, just, I mean, just even thinking about the US, it started to interfere with a lot of the governments in those parts of the world uh, to disrupt democratic elections and create the opportunity for big American corporations to make a profit by uh, taking advantage of the people in those countries and extracting the, the, the products or, or natural resources. So um, an example is in like the 1950s, the, uh, uh, there, there were CIA operations so that, uh, I forget, the, I think it was United Fruit or something, but it was in order to get cheap bananas, basically. So it's like really, really horrible things have been done in Guatemala and other countries around there for the sake of just getting cheap stuff in the more developed part of the world. I think it's important to preface, you know, any attempt to talk about the historical use of it uh, for, for conversations in the US or, you know, other parts of the world with that fact, because, uh, because it's also just a very sensitive subject, which I've found over the past, uh, well, for about five years now, I've also been involved in conversations or, uh, about, is it even appropriate for us to work with cacao mm -hmm. in, in a part of the world where cacao doesn't grow traditionally or just outside of the original context? So it's like this, this confusing time where it's not really possible to know fully what the original context was, and yet it kind of seems like cacao is just bounding leaps and bounds around the world right now wanting attention and so it's it's definitely an ongoing conversation about uh what's even the best way to try to find out what the historical uses were because too much rushing in that attempt could cause harm you know going into indigenous communities and like trying to trying to get it all straight when they might uh have been very isolated and and not used to that kind of like outside um, presence. It's just all very, very complicated. But I guess just to, to narrow in on one thing, from what I've learned, there are some commonalities to the way cacao is used um, historically. And celebration was one of the most common things. So uh, cacao has definitely been part of weddings and um, yeah, just community celebrations. And even if it wasn't necessarily well, I mean, weddings have a ceremony in them, but it might not have been, you know, all the all the historical sacred uses of cacao might not have been a formal ritual, for example, the way we think of it. Um, but there's there's it seems like there's always something special about even if it's just a family with some cacao trees on their land and they prepare the cacao themselves and and go through that process together. Um, I have heard things recently about. Uh, there being a ritual done tied in with the the um, life cycle of cacao, like when the uh, the seeds are planted and when the pods start to appear, I think, but and then also when they're harvested. So so uh, traditionally, in a lot of the cases, there probably would have been a ceremony or ritual done uh, for each of those occasions in the in the growth cycle. But then, yeah, it just seems like there are so many different subgroups, even in the Mayan world, let alone with the Aztecs and Olmecs and Incas, that uh, uh, even in, in a small 
area of Guatemala, I've been to a few different ceremonies that seemed to me so different. Like there were a couple of common things, but but the way that they go about it uh, was just so different. So um, yeah, so it's like it can't be unified just to one thread, but there but there's something in the energy of it that that feels cohesive mm -hmm. to me. And and it's like even when we do enjoy cacao in, with intention somewhere else, there's still something in that energy that, um, yeah, that feels like it's, it's all connected. Yeah, that's what I was going to actually say. I was going to say, do you think that what threads it together is the intention and then the respect for the plant itself? Yeah, but that's not present in all cases where people are using cacao in modern settings mm -hmm. and that that's, yeah yeah so so that is one of the things that through my conversations with uh my some mayan guides and cacao workers the the importance of staying humble and respectful keeps coming up but then mm -hmm. even that is kind of an open-ended thing like how do we be respectful because <laughs> to some people they they go to well that means i need to go learn from an indigenous teacher and dress like them and things like that, but actually that could be unethical or inappropriate or, or it just might not make any sense because a lot of those practices are lineage based that people are possibly even born into in those countries. So, um, so for me to try to replicate something exactly how they do it could actually be inappropriate or, or appropriative is the term that sometimes comes up like, like the, the question of cultural appropriation. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that we talked about in our last episode, too, is like, when is it appropriate, like you said, to do these ceremonies or these rituals or work with these plants um, with this intention that they were traditionally used with and when is that appropriation? Um, so, yeah, I think that's a really important conversation and I don't know if there's actually like a real answer to it, um, but it, it's definitely yeah. important to to talk about it, to try and find the answers and they might um be different based on you know like like for like i don't know a specific example but i'll just like kind of make one up but like if you nick went to one farm where you source your um cacao from and um one family was okay with you participating or doing mm -hmm. something in one way and then you go to another one and like for them that's not right i think right. it can it's like kind of case by case um sometimes it yeah, seems. there's no there's no diploma for like being an approved uh, cacao, you know, facilitator and uh, and yeah, like you said, even if even if one group, even if I had a deep relationship with with one group and they gave me permission to work with it, there are still going to be people on the internet that see that I'm a person with uh, with mostly European heritage and who wasn't born in uh, Guatemala or a country like it and not know the work I've done or the relationships that I've built and then just kind of um, assume that I'm causing harm, which mm -hmm. has definitely happened in my case. Yeah. So it's, it's an ongoing conversation. I think there are some really clear, you know, it's to me, there are some clear boundaries, like things not to do with cacao based on things that have happened in some of the kind of like spiritual uh, expat circles in Guatemala and other places. If people, post something that they're calling a cacao ceremony, but they're not being careful about the container and safety, which tends to happen in more like festival type circles. There's just not as much attention to safety because it's not cool 
but but then if people are using other drugs or if they're coming in with a, a, a health condition that mm -hmm. could be dangerous and and it's also just disrespectful i think i think any traditional uh cacao worker would consider that dis disrespectful even to combine it with alcohol mm -hmm. um, unless well i have heard like one cacao farmer told me that at weddings they occasionally <laughs> have um cacao mixed with a like a mezcal but but even that's kind of a sacred thing i think mm. yeah i i want to thank you nick for um first for, I, for doing all this work for you know your connection to cacao and to the land that it grows on to you know um all of that and for bringing this conversation up or, or taking it this way in terms of like cultural appropriating and just really understanding um how to how to respect um these allies and this is why you know me and mk wanted <laughs> are doing a series on sacred sacred plants because yeah. um you know of course all i i really believe that all of all of our allies deserve you know such reverence and intention and appreciation and like moving from that you know that heart perception um and they all deserve that you know um but there are some you know power sacred power plants um that you know, really, really were used ceremonially. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's just so important to be mindful of this and to be aware and to make, you know, decisions that move in alignment with, um, I don't know, just, I, I've been cycling through a lot of this, even I, you know, I teach yoga. And um, mm -hmm. I've been, you know, really, going down some deep rabbit holes within myself of, you know, is this even, you know, really appropriate for me to, to teach um, and for me mm -hmm. to share. And it's been um, a lot of kind of shadow work and a lot of, you know, me looking at everything kind of through that lens. And, um, you know, it's something I'm, I'm figuring out as well and um, trying to, um, you know, bring acknowledgement to where these teachings and these practices came came from um, i think supporting those communities is really important that's um, the biggest reason why i uh, support cacao so cacao source um, mm -hmm. me and my friend who we will have on this podcast she's getting her business up and running um, but we searched for days days and hours for a cacao company that um, we felt really um, energetically, you know, respected the traditions, the land, the soil, that everything, you know, um, that supported um, Mayan um, practices and, and women's collectives. And um, so even sustainable packaging, like we, you know, we it was like, oh no, you know, this we're, we're really, really. Um, tried to be so conscious of, of all of it. And we finally found one that, you know, we felt we could um, really connect with and genuinely support. Um, so um, I, I think that you know, with with everything, even, you know, we talk about uh, Sage and, and Palo Santo and then all of these allies, um, I think it's important to um, be really conscious of, you know, where we are getting our products from and 
um, the love and the energy that is going into that because that is also, you know, really going into our bodies. And um, mm -hmm. I want to, yeah, just thank you, Nick, for your work. And I look forward to supporting you. And um, I'm happy that we are share sharing your company, you know, um, and are able to support you in that way. So as you are supporting cacao and just bringing reverence to even, you know, the, especially I feel like the spirit of cacao, you know, it's, it's really special to hear about your experience. Um, and it's really so sweet and precious to hear those moments um, of like people walking their path and walking in alignment and, and just walking reverently with the allies of the earth. And I'm just happy. <laughs> mm. The end. No, <laughs> I'll stop now, but it's, just, it's really beautiful to hear. And um, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm realizing we haven't even talked much about the experience. Well, you know, the subjective or more spiritual experience of cacao. I just, um, there's, there's even more to the 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 sourcing. <laughs> I guess where, where my mind went with what you were saying is, for example, with a practice like yoga, I think there is a difference between a product and a practice in terms of cultural transmission because uh, and because things are still so kind of fuzzy with cacao or it's like an emergent thing of of what's the best what are best practices for working with cacao. Uh, outside of its original context. Um, that's why to me, it's so important to be careful with how we are sourcing it and uh, to make sure that it is sustainable for the earth, um, that that the way the cacao is being grown and harvested is regenerative and you know bringing more nutrients to the earth and, and capturing more carbon dioxide from the atmosphere instead of the opposite. And to make sure that people are being paid in, in more of the money staying, you know, towards the source in the supply chain and that people just have safer working conditions. There are a lot of trouble. There's a lot of problems in the chocolate industry with um, even like human trafficking and, and forced child labor in West Africa that people don't know about that either with the chocolate bars that they, you know, get from the grocery store. It's, it's it, most chocolate is uh, still prepared that way. So, uh, so if we, uh, as people who have an interest in cacao as a as a plant medicine or a spiritual aid uh, are careful about the sourcing and also able to communicate to people that we took those steps in the sourcing. It's like actually, um, you know, sharing that information without being, you know, conceited about it is actually really important because otherwise, how do people know? I've, I've heard about people hosting quote unquote cacao ceremonies with cacao powder that they got from from a grocery store. So that's, you know, something that gently I want to help keep educating people that that's really not a, a, a good thing. Like the net benefit of that, that's actually kind of causing harm to, to the movement in a way. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, we talk a lot, a lot, a lot between the two of us and on this episode and just like with everyone I probably ever talked to, it probably gets annoying sometimes about like that, the energetics and like where yeah where it's coming from how important that is and like jesse said it's it's um you're putting it into your body and it's affecting your energy but then from there what your energy whatever energy you're holding you're then putting out into the world and it's just like this ripple effect so if we can go back to that source like you're saying nick and really like focus on that to begin with like that's the root 
then we can like, you know, work with it in the, in the right ways, like you're saying, and um, have it just like kind of that ripple effect will be a positive one rather than a negative one. And it's, um, it's like you said, it's kind of new and emerging to use like cacao in the way that it's being used in the West right now in our, in our country, especially I've been seeing a lot of different ceremony or I'll say quote unquote ceremonies popping up everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I just want to like speak to that because like, I do think that like the medicine that can cacao can offer us is something that we need, especially right now with so many different things going on in the world. It really has that strong heart medicine, but we're not going to, going back to what I was just saying, we're not going to actually receive it in that way if we're not um, intentional about where we're sourcing, how we're using it, who we're letting guide us through it. Um, all those things are, yeah, like you said, so many factors that go into it. Um, yeah. yeah. Even, even you know, how it, how then you prepare it once you receive it from, you know, wherever you, you sourced it from. I feel like, you know, the process of it, being in your cup and, and having that connection to it, um, I think is really important too. I think it's, you know, if, I don't know, I, I think I could get a little top <laughs> with, uh, you know, my little rituals. And um, obviously, you know, I have my own kind of version of that with, um, but um, I don't know, I think it's, you know, helpful to be intentional and throughout the whole process yeah and I mean we touched on that too Jesse in our last episode when we were just kind of going over um the different plants that we wanted to talk about with the sacred plant series but um like when it comes to um like cannabis and coffee and mushrooms and all of these different things um yeah the energy that's put into preparing it and obviously cacao um, I didn't mention that, but we're talking about it. So it's kind of supposed to be given there, but how it's being prepared before us, like really matters. And um, like Nikki, you were talking about how the, your partners in Guatemala, all the farms that you work with, um, they do pretty much everything by hand. And that's such a beautiful way to do it. There's so much energy going into that rather than just like running it through a machine. And yeah, I could like yeah, talk about that forever. Yeah. yeah yeah some machines have uh, a worse impact too like for me uh to roast cacao in a in an oven like a modern oven just just is not the same as mm-hmm. when it's toasted over wood fire so i as far as i know i'm one of the only Solift cacao is one of the only companies in the u.s that it, it exclusively uh carries wood fire roasted cacao from you know small batch and and so when i use the term ceremonial cacao like that's one of the key things aside from all the, the important farming things too but um but yeah unfortunately i'm seeing that term applied to some things that to me just don't have that much spirit in them because they're being made more like bean to bar chocolate and, mm-hmm. and, and that term still has a really positive connotation in our culture because people think oh they're doing it themselves they're getting this the beans fair trade or whatever but but it's actually just, it's removing it more from the original context. It's cutting more people at the source out of the supply chain. And there's just not as much like spirit in it. I, yeah. In my, in my experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. You can feel that too. Yeah. 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 And like, sorry, go ahead, Nick. (laughs) Well, I was just going to start to talk about my experiences like in, you know, I don't use the term cacao ceremony these days because one Mayan guide actually kind of asks me not to, or, or, or said it would be helpful to specify if it's a modern cacao ceremony so that people don't assume that it is an, a specifically indigenous practice uh, aside from the cacao. But um, it's, yeah, it's, um, so, so lately I'm using the term cacao circle or cacao journey and people don't seem to mind <laughs> that, but, uh, but I, I was leading transformational workshops for about three years before I even found cacao. So I had been on this journey of studying human perception and human communication and and behavior and just seeing like how do we even construct a picture of reality through through our senses but also through the conditioning that we had early in our life those filters that we all you know have like a screen in front of us as we're going about our day and i had also worked some with other plant medicines too more powerful ones um that that are more mind-altering or or you know take us into a different state of consciousness. So when I found cacao and incorporated it with the different kind of um, uh, uh, self-development practices I had already worked with, and then I was exposed to trauma release practices and bioenergetics, um, some tantric work, but more like non-sexual tantra. Uh, just all these things started to come together um, into what I now uh, call the soul of cacao method, which uh, is, just a basic outline of like starting uh, if I think about a cacao journey or, or a ceremonial experience that I lead to me, it's really important to have an intention. Um, and then the, the medicine in uh, my case would be the ceremonial cacao. Uh, and then to have some embodiment practice, whether it's breath work or shaking or guided movements, um, some interactive or connective kind of experience. So that is um, towards the end of the journey when people can have a chance to uh, maybe rewrite up some beliefs or just just use you know communication in a, in a different way that feels more empowering and liberating. And then at the end to have another circle where people can talk uh, if they feel called to about their experience overall and hopefully integrate it, which to me just means putting it into words or, or, or finding a way to incorporate some learning back into their day-to-day life and their identity, like how they see themselves. So cacao works for all of that because I, because of the things we've talked some about, how it puts people more in touch with our, their heart energy. I think it puts people more in touch with their body uh, as, as a whole, just their like inner sensations or their felt sense of being, you know, a human <laughs> in this world. And so that's why a lot of uh, definitely uh, Mayan practices have a lot of focus on connecting with the ground and, and a really deep awareness of us being in relationship with the earth, with, like a lot of indigenous, um, you know, spirituality does. That's, that's a pretty common thing, I think, around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for for us to have that gentle shift that cacao can offer uh, to be a little bit more embodied, a little bit more open hearts, uh, a little bit more gentle with ourselves and just um, 
I think getting some new insights or clarity, that's kind of the more mysterious part of cacao to me. There's, you know, it's like we can talk about the biochemistry, but then to me, there is almost like a, an intelligence to cacao. That's the, the more mysterious or spiritual side, but it's so subtle that, um, you know, if, no, if somebody has ceremonial cacao and doesn't do any kind of introspective practice or a ceremony, I think they're still going to benefit and possibly still get some insights or a different sense of direction about their life, but they just might not be as aware of it on a, on a conscious level. Whereas to go through that kind of a, a, a held journey with, with a trained facilitator who, who knows how to keep things, you know, like safety and in, in to take that into account. Um, I've seen people make huge changes in their life. Not, not just me, but yeah, I've seen, I mean, even as something as simple as a, a, a held space for a group meditation with cacao once a week. I, I was hosting those in 2016, right when I first got back from <laughs> my first trip down there. And within a couple of months, I saw people just starting to find the courage to make those big changes in their life that they couldn't muster before. So it's like a lot of us know that something's not working or that something needs to change, but we just feel afraid to take the steps or we don't, you know, don't have the resolve or the dedication. And I, I've experienced and I've seen others uh, experience cacao helping with that, like giving that little bit of sense of clarity, but also being like a friend that has a hand on our back, like you got this, <laughs> just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you can feel out the right path. Uh, one step at a time instead of trying to figure it all out at once. Yeah, I think you you kind of said like you said so much there and I think all of that was was really great um, and really beautiful and just yeah really explains how how cacao can really help so many ways and I also want to add that um, you know cacao is very powerful as are like many other herbs we were talking about like doing those meditations with the cacao and like within a traditional or okay, I guess it would be a cacao ceremony that you're leading. Cause as we said, we don't know exactly what a traditional one would look like. Yeah. Um, but in like the more ceremonial side of it than just the meditation, um, you're still including all these other different um, practices and it's not just the cacao alone that is going to change you in those like you said, it works very subtly, um, but when you're put, combining herbs, cacao, like all of these different practices together, it's like, it's definitely life-changing. Um, it's like the plants help to guide us, I believe, but we need to put in more work. And I think that when we're talking about like overusing and abusing different um, sacred plants, um, I think that's sometimes what happens is we expect, we're like, oh, like, um, I'll use like cannabis as an example like I have anxiety so it's going to go away if I just like smoke a lot of weed um, but that's not how it works you have to like there needs to be more intention and there's a lot more that goes into it than just picking up one thing and like leaning heavily on that mm -hmm. another thing I've noticed uh, in the some of the Mayan ceremonies or just um, the teachings of guides is the idea of offerings so we in our in the western culture we think uh, of 
like what can I take to you know or what can I get out of this thing like what can I get out of cacao but so much in the Mayan spirituality is about what can I give mm-hmm. and so I was in a I, re- I recently co-hosted a, a cacao tour through Guatemala and I was able to yeah, I was um, fortunate enough to be in two ceremonies with with different Mayan families and one of them actually put cacao blocks in the fire mm-hmm. and and honey too mm-hmm. honey is another i was surprised to see that the you know in some cases a, it's like anything that's available to them that comes through their land or you know that it's like that becomes part of the, the spirituality it seems and uh, and as and a ritual offering of the thing to whatever their conception is of god or spirit um yeah it's 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 really hard for me to put that into words, but when I witnessed it, it's like I could feel the the importance of it. Yeah, and if you saw someone like here doing that, you might be like, oh, they're wasting it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 I work for a family um, that is from India, and I've seen a few of their their rituals that they do during holidays and it's all centered around giving Mm -hmm. to whatever it is that they're they're celebrating and they'll take like ghee which is like something that you know I um have trouble with like letting go of just a little bit because um you know like I would love to make my own ghee but right now I'm not in a space to and it is expensive to buy Mm -hmm. so I'm like oh no like I don't want to like let go of any ghee but they're just like offering up their ghee and you know watching it I'm like oh goodness but yeah it's I mean I I being in herbalism like that's something that we we do as well um is offering like a a thank you when we like are foraging um or I mean so many other times too but that's like the specific one I can think of like I have a little cauldron filled with some different like bits and pieces of plants um, and I'll, I'll take that out with me and, and offer it back to the earth and give thanks. But that's something that is, is definitely missing in, in our culture. And yeah, we see it as wasteful, but there's, I think we have this idea that there's, there's not enough. There's the scarcity mindset, but there is so much. It's just about how we use it. Cause if you think about, this is probably another topic for another day, but I'll just go with the <laughs> thought really quick. If you think about how much we do have and then how much we give away or how much we not even give away, but just throw out. Um, yeah. I don't, I'm just wondering why there is such a scarcity mindset. <laughs> why we don't give more. Yeah. 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 A lot of yeah. fear. Sorry, go ahead, Jesse. A lot of fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and can cow can help with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of chained heart type of protect my heart, um, protect my my body, and you know, this the uh, questions of safety, and you know, a lot. Yeah. And like, you know, it's said that like the opposite of love is not hate, but it's fear. So we can move back into our hearts. And like, really, like I said, with cacao, like what or I was talking about rose, but cacao too, because I use them together so many times. But really like letting you um, give love and receive love at the same time, if we can move more into that, then maybe that that fear and that like, like you said, the fear with the scarcity, Jesse, like maybe that can, can kind of dissolve 
at least I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's interesting thinking about uh, how how much access I have to cacao right now. <laughs> I, you know, all the different varieties. I currently work with four different varieties of pure ceremonial cacao, and it's it's just you know I've been doing this work with cacao for six years now, and. Uh, you know, even at the beginning, it seemed like it was a, a craze or something, but, but every year it grows more and more. And, and with opening the cacao cafe that I have in Portland, Oregon, part of my intention was to introduce it to, you know, to kind of like reach beyond the choir, the choir <laughs> to introduce it to people who have not done spiritual work or uh, who, who are maybe just more like foodies who are interested in gourmet foods or, or well-sourced um, foods. But uh, but even historically, I think, unless somebody had cacao on their land, it, it, uh, at least I've heard things about it being used more by royalty or things. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was more in Aztec culture, because in Mayan culture, it just seems like the cacao trees were all over the places that were hot and humid and 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 people will, you know, even just the way cacao comes into the culinary arts and food. I mean, that's a part of Mexico too, like mole sauce, uh, which I think food is just as sacred as anything more formally religious or spiritual. Um, but I have heard some people concerned about access with cacao, partly because of other foods like quinoa uh, became, I've heard, became very difficult for um locals where it's grown to get but i don't really see that being or, or even the possibility of it becoming an issue with cacao because people can still get cacao seeds in in markets all over guatemala it's just that uh what's you know this this so-called ceremonial cacao movement is a very specific thing and and the reason it's so expensive in the u.s is because more of the the work and money are uh are staying at the source and and supporting more of the communities and families there. Um, but I, I, I may though still take for granted that I, I'm so fortunate to have so much cacao around all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, talking about, cause you, you've said this a few times and I wanna focus on that a little bit, bringing the, or keeping the like money at the source yeah. um i think that we have this idea in our country and maybe in the west in general that um everything should be like so cheap like it shouldn't be expensive right. but like it's it's ironic though because we're not the ones for the most part like when you think of like what we consume like we're not the ones for the most part that are putting in all of the the work and the energy that goes into producing those yeah. things so where do we get this idea from that it should be cheap if we don't even know the what's going into it yeah yeah that's the irony to me of like the bean to bar chocolate movement is that um and i actually wrote a blog article and a social post i could share um with you later because I, I made pie charts of like how much stays at the source in a pound of fair trade chocolate <laughs> compared to a pound of, of the kind of ceremonial cacao in my model. And the a, a pound of conventional cacao seeds in like West Africa 
it, it, last I checked, it was like a dollar oh eight per pound, approximately. But the fair trade rate is only like a dollar twenty eight or twenty nine. It's really not that much more compared to a pound. That at least the average of the blocks that I work with, a pound of ceremonial cacao in my model is sending more like fourteen dollars per pound back to Guatemala. So that doesn't even include the foreign shipping cost to get here or, or anything. It's like an average of 11 times more funds. And I think whether we're talking about the ceremonial spiritual use in the US and these kind of countries, or just how to be more ethical and equitable in our trade, that is one of the most important things uh, across the board is uh, because, because if we can say, you know, that, that not only are we, are we giving credit verbally to the people who have kept cacao alive, but also uh, giving that much, um, uh, you know, payment. And uh, there's another word that's slipping my mind, but uh, compensation to to those people. It's like, that's that's what can have the power to change this whole global situation where, where whole countries are taken advantage of and and sort of like held down by by the superpowers and everything that's happening right now with the supply chain issues uh, i i wrote another social post <laughs> recently how i i think there's really a, a sea change going on right now oh, i hear the dogs yeah hold on one second yeah okay i think we're good now so your blog post yep uh well the the social post about the because we keep hearing about or i keep hearing about supply chain issues and i'm experiencing it too as a as a as a business owner it's it is harder to get certain ingredients right now but uh the best case scenario coming out of this is that things will start to get different because this whole like how much advantage can i take of other countries and you know those with less power that that model i think just is not going to last there's no way it can for us to survive as a as a species so uh so this the the soul of cacao type ceremonial cacao model is just one example of how it can really turn things around at, you know, every step of the supply chain. Yeah, I actually remember seeing your post about that now. Um, and I thought that was that was great. Um, I shared that I really, really love the way that you worded it too. It's like something it was like, easily digestible, because people kind of, you know, when you say like, you're saying we can't, we can't keep going the way that we're going, like these supply yeah. chain issues are gonna they're leading us in a better direction and people are getting frustrated with that. But you also think about like how many of these things that we're having supply chain issues with, do we actually really need? And also how many of them, like, do we think we need, or maybe we do to some degree, but are there alternatives for them as well? Um, yeah. And I think that, yeah, we'll start seeing more of, more of the better ways of doing it. And um, yeah, I think that's really important. Absolutely. sometimes like when we're having these conversations on here I just like someone says something and then I just like want to go and get stuck in my thoughts thinking about it but I'm like wait no we're yeah. here we're, we're just, we have to keep talking about this <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, that's yeah. What we're doing now. <laughs> yeah um Nick I had one more thing I wanted to ask you about before we go and then if you had anything else you wanted to share and if Jesse had anything but I was wondering if you just wanted to share a little bit about the the different um you said I forget how many you have um different types of cacao that you offer and, and what differentiates them 
yeah, good question. Because, yeah, I only work with Guatemalan cacao right now. That's probably just uh, a lot of what I do is, you know, following my intuition. Uh, but I actually forgot to share that I was, and this is a little bit off your question, but um, my, my sister was adopted from Guatemala when I was 13. So I got to go uh, to help actually bring her home with, with my dad in 1996. And I didn't learn about cacao on that trip, but um, but it's always been such an interesting thing on my journey of how that uh, came full circle. And mm -hmm. um, so as I was traveling around Central America and trying cacao from different places and, and trying to find out more about cer what, what ceremonial cacao even is, <laughs> Uh, I just kept coming back to the, the Guatemalan cacao and uh, to this day, you know, I keep doing research and trying to find out what's, what is actually objectively different about it. And from what I can tell, it seems like maybe it just was not as mixed up in the international uh, cocoa trade that started in the late 1400s. It seems like, well, from, from, the books say that cacao genetically was born in the Amazon, uh, in South America. And, and then I think with the trade that began, it really took place more in the northern part of South America and in the Caribbean. So Guatemala, it seems, was just a little bit more isolated from all that. So the cacao that's there now, and even today, like I was saying earlier, most um, most cacao most chocolate products are sourced from west africa and it's not cacao wasn't there originally it was taken there by the europeans probably um so so within guatemala within different regions it's interesting even like i've, I've not had cacao from farms that are only about an hour apart in guatemala and they taste and feel <laughs> totally different sometimes so it's it's everyone says that they have criollo dominant that's one of the three main genetic types but but I asked a, uh, an expert in, in Hawaii who works with cacao, who used to work with the USDA, and he said that it's not really possible to get genetic testing by the, by the public. So when people say they have 100% Criollo cacao, usually it's a little bit of like a marketing mm. um, thing. Uh, in Guatemala, though, it seems like, yeah, Criollo dominant is safe to say, which uh, tends to be a smoother flavor, a deep, and it seems like it, it is part of what makes Guatemalan cacao like a really rich, uh, uh, just experience the whole sensory experience, the flavor, the aroma, and also also the sensation. So, so one thing I'm working on now is also getting the cacao tested. I've had all four varieties that I source now tested for heavy metals to make sure that they are within safe levels. Because that's another concern too in the world of cacao and chocolate that um, that I have seen some numbers of like commercial chocolate bars that have on what what the fda would say is an unsafe level of lead in it mm. and um, even like when it's the fda saying that that's um i feel like you want even like under what they're saying because that's just saying yeah kind of yeah. like the baseline but yeah 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 so the, yeah and then the eu commission publishes some data on cadmium that's the other so lead and cadmium are the two concerns but uh i've had all mine tested so they're yeah within safe levels and i'm also starting to get them tested for caffeine and theobromine content so i'm really curious to see as as you know it's expensive to do that but i'm curious to see maybe guatemalan cacao will end up with a lot higher theobromine content than 
than than you know the 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 predominant strains from some other places. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but but even uh, another way I think about it is almost like wine or tequila, those or, or scotch whiskey. It's like these regional uh, crafts that you know from one village to the next uh, can have a totally different character. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, our first podcast guest, he um, talks about a lot about this soil. Um, I think he talked about this yeah. on the episode, but I definitely know he talks about it because he talks to me about it all the time. But that no, um, like coffee bean, because that's what he focuses on is coffee. Mm -hmm. No coffee bean is ever going to be the same because the soil conditions are different, like with each plant that grows, but from each place to place as well. Um, and yeah, definitely the same with cacao and the same with any any um, plants that we're using or consuming. Yeah, and cacao has a lot of steps. I, it might be similar to coffee in terms of how many steps there are because uh, cacao seeds, well, uh, cacao seeds go through the fermentation process for like four to nine days. And so the length of time that it's fermented has a big effect on the final flavor. Mm -hmm. And then they have to be dried, uh, hopefully out in, in the sun, but not every, uh, yeah, especially more commercial, like larger scale places would possibly do some of that, um, you know, like, like skip steps, I guess is mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Um, so, so to, to make sure it's evenly dried and then how it's roasted or, or, or toasted over wood fire, um, how, how long, or, you know, one group that I work with separates the seeds by size. So the small seeds get toasted together because they would not need as long as the bigger seeds <laughs> so it's like all these little factors go go into yeah definitely the soil too and how much rainfall the place gets or just the the general atmosphere how hot how hot and humid it is or what elevation it's at i'm sure all these things uh come into effect yeah yeah definitely and oh there's something i was gonna say with that but i just lost it as i went to say it <laughs> mm. i was um thinking about too how in that episode with Ben, we were, he was really stressing about, um, stressing on the importance of biodiversity. And it's like really threaded into this um, conversation as well, like bringing light um, to the individual um, ecosystem, you know, mm -hmm. where it's coming from and yeah. um, also supporting that. And I've been just really thinking about that so much and how I can be a part of and serve and support in, in that way yeah oh I also remembered what it was that I was gonna say <laughs> yay um you're talking about um drying them out in the sunshine um and then when we energetics too that gives like like you have that solar energy now really infused mm -hmm. into the cacao as well yeah we, we see that with so many, I mean, our vegetables, like yeah. so yeah. many, you know, yeah. cannabis, like all these things that are, you know, really grown inside. Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And like, uh, and <laughs> culinary mushrooms, um, they can have vitamin D in them, but only if they're, they're grown in the sun. Um, mm -hmm. or you can also put them on your windowsill for a little bit before cooking them and get some sunshine in that way. But it's it's still different when you're doing it that way and not just like growing them with That's some sunshine 
I like that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, didn't think about that, but it's probably helping me through the, the Portland winter and spring. I've been short on sun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Thanks for bringing a uh, soul of cacao to Portland. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like my soul has been like genuinely lifted. <laughs> conversation. I've been like, honestly, just sitting here smiling. <laughs> the yeah. of time. And like my mouth hurts. I've been like massaging my jaw. I'm like, all right, relax. <laughs> But I, yeah, I'm just so appreciative of everything that you're doing, Nick. And mm. I really, truly thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'm really gifted to um, have, to be able to share this conversation and to be able to share your work. I think what you're doing is incredibly important. And um, I can imagine that the spirit of cacao and the land and just all of the beings are really grateful as well. Yes, yeah, I just hosted a couple of in-person cacao circles for the first time in over two years. So, so that was the first time I got to do one at the cacao cafe. And, uh, and I'm also starting to do guided cacao tastings where I show people like a slideshow, a tree to cup kind of slideshow. And, and we taste the different pure varieties and, and uh, I show them on the map, like what region of Guatemala they come from, all these kind of things. Because um, I, yeah, I realized on my recent tour, I'm, I'm going to be hosting more tours through Guatemala. I just had so much fun. It was, it was really, really nice to, to take people to some of those places I had been and also places I hadn't actually visited yet, some of them, like one of the farms we went to. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I could talk about cacao all day. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to be sharing, uh, the details for the tours on your website? Yep. The, or... well, well, I have a workshop, uh, tour coming up soon. That might be done by the time this gets out, but that'll be in May. Uh, but yeah, any of these kind of events are on my website. There's, uh, a services button and like a cacao events page and then i'll post it on instagram too i've got a newsletter as well that's a great way for people to stay in and uh, up to date awesome we'll put all of that show in the show notes and i'm glad you were saying all that because i was just going to ask you before you started saying it and i also wanted to say that i can't wait to join one of your little cacao mm. circles <laughs> um there's a lot of c's in there cook cow circle um, <laughs> but I yeah I wanted to do the last one I wasn't able to but I was really excited when I saw it so I can't wait for the next one and hopefully I will my schedule will be um, freeing up a little bit and I'll have more time so I will definitely be there and maybe I'll come join you in December in Guatemala I was planning to go in August um, but right now it does. Mm. August is like tomorrow it's looking like um, <laughs> And yeah. I don't know if I could swing it, so <laughs> maybe I'll wait till December and join you. <laughs> well, maybe we'll both join you because I was seen, I was very interested in that. <laughs> so. Yes, it was so. It had been four years for me since I was uh, in Guatemala, and yeah, to go back after working with Kakao so much in my private space, especially with everything that happened with um, the pandemic. It was just so refreshing and, and a real reminder of why I do what I do because it can be yeah extremely challenging sometimes to um, 
to yeah to run a food business to to open a brick and mortar during the pandemic it's just it's it's all been a lot these past couple of years yeah i oh, i forgot what i was gonna say again i keep doing that <laughs> i like it so i like think of it and i'm like oh i want to respond to that and then well, so you're saying the about the tour one. about the next tour the maybe? tour yeah i don't know what it was <laughs> it had something to do with that but i don't know maybe it'll float back maybe <laughs> But um, yeah, so we'll share all of those in the show notes. Um, do you have an idea, Nick, of when your your next circle might be, or are you doing them like like a regular type schedule, or just? Kind I was of... just testing out some different days and times recently, and I at this point probably won't do one again until mid May when I get back from my my U.S. workshop tour that I'm going <laughs> on. So I don't know. We'll okay well we'll definitely share the link for your website and everything in the show notes um and yeah i think is there anything else anybody wanted to share before we go well i'll just say thanks a lot for having me it's been yeah really great time talking with you both and um yeah just it's always an honor to to share my experience with cacao which yeah, it's it's been uh, a privilege to, yeah. to have the experiences I have and, and for it to have helped me the way it has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, one other note, like in response to that, I was talking to a, a friend the other day about storytelling and how like in traditional mm-hmm. culture storytelling, like people who would like tell all these stories was like, it was like this great thing that people did, right? That's how like a lot of like traditions and things were passed down too. And I, I feel like in, in our modern culture, we see like the storytellers is like kind of like annoying sometimes, like, oh, they never stop talking or they always have so much to say. Um, but I, I'm i a storyteller, so <laughs> I like to hear stories and um, I like to tell stories. And I really am happy that you told yours um, because I have learned so much through your story. That was the point of my, my storytelling story. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well, just, sorry, go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> wanted to say thank you to you as well, MK, for just being such a beautiful co creation partner, <laughs> uh, business, soulpreneurship, however you <laughs> say what we do. Um, it's just, uh, I'm feeling, I, I think I'm feeling really the nice. cacao. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm pouring. I just want to pour all my gratitude out. So um, I'm just really honored to be on this journey with you too. And I love you so much. Oh, I love, love you too. All of our listeners. <laughs> yes. I love everyone and everything. No, that's like what cacao makes you feel though, right? You're like, I love it all. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jesse. I really appreciate those words. And I mean, I know we say this all the time, but I'll put it out into the world too, that I really appreciate doing this work with you. And there's no one else I would rather do it with. I think we flow so well together. And I think it shows in this this podcast, but in everything else that we do as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm going to let you I'm sign off. This more of your shows. Oh, thank you, Nick. Yeah. It's been It's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jesse, I'm gonna let you sign off. I signed on. He can sign off. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
was <laughs> okay, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to What's the Tea podcast. Um, as always, we are just so honored that you are on this journey with us. Thank you for taking the time to connect uh, to yourself, to the present moment, hopefully connecting to an intentional cup of tea and, um, yeah, connecting to yourself. So thank you for being with us. Thank you. Until next time. We'll see you soon.